The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at BuffaloRumlings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A, the weekly podcast where we answer Buffalo Bills' questions about their favorite team. Speaking of questions, we could always use more of them. You can email us, BuffaloRumlings at SBNation.com. Send us tweets at Rumlings Q&A with the word and spelled out in the middle. Leave us voicemails on our message line, 716-508-0405. You can also Instagram message or Facebook message us and the messages will get to me. There's lots of ways to get in touch with the show. This week, the Buffalo Bills played on Monday Night Football, so we shifted our episode from Tuesday to Wednesday because we had a couple post-game pods that have already posted. So if you want to go check out the rest of the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network, they've got you covered on the immediate post-game reactions. We're kind of taking a longer-term view here at Rumblings Q&A, as we always do. So we look out a little bit further and look a little bit further back, too, sometimes. So... As we do with every game, we take a look at the takeaways. And the biggest takeaway for me, and I didn't work this out immediately after the game, had to wait a little bit to work this out on Tuesday, but the Buffalo Bills can clinch a playoff spot in week 14, and they can clinch the division in week 15 if everything goes their way over the course of those couple weeks. And that's always good. You just want to get into the tournament, into the playoffs, and then you can make some noise. So the Bills can clinch a playoff spot in week 14. The entire scenario uh, that's laid out for that is over at buffalorumlings.com right now. And then there's a post on Wednesday that's going to be about how the Bills can clinch the division um, in two weeks on December 19th. So that's pretty awesome too. Make sure you go check all of those out. So moving on to our immediate takeaways from the game, you know, I thought the Bills were really impressive against the San Francisco 49ers. Absent that first drive from the defense, where they allowed the 49ers to kind of march down the field. You know, the Bills were really, really in control the entire game. They, without Zach Moss fumbling on their own end zone, you know, they they really had a chance to put away the 49ers very early. Um, it wasn't, it was only because of that fumble that the Bills were down 7 nothing. I mean, obviously the defense had to make a great goal line stand to keep the 49ers off the board on their first drive, but they did. And so if, you know, 
they're able to get the ball out of the shadow of their end zone, they're scoring, what was it, 17 straight points. Um, and they're up 17 nothing instead of 17-7. So, I mean, it's just the Bills played a really, really nice game on Monday night and really exercised a lot of demons and very, very happy with that. And really, the first guy you have to talk about here is Josh Allen, who I thought was dealing on Monday night. We came in wondering if his ankle and foot was going to be bothering him after that scary-looking injury the previous week, but it didn't. Uh, he looked great. He looked athletic. He looked mobile. He was firing it with zip. Um, he made some great passes over the top of the 49ers linebackers and into the breadbasket of some of his receivers. I just thought he did an outstanding job. At the half, he was 19 of 23 with three throwaways, so really 19 of 20 for 236 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, just absolutely phenomenal in the first half. Um, he was averaging right around 10 yards per attempt all night, which is just an outstanding number in a league where seven to eight is putting pressure on a defense. He's doing 10 yards per attempt. He was at 80% passing, which obviously helps the yards per attempt because he was completing so many passes. 375 yards, you know, 139.1 QB rating. It was just absolutely outstanding. He's the first Bills quarterback with four touchdowns and an 80% completion percentage in a single game in team history. You know, and you got, you know, Jim Kelly was no slouch, guys, but four touchdowns, um, 80% completion percentage in a single game, just awesome. And, um, of course, connected to that is Brian Dable, the Bills offensive coordinator, who did call a great game as well. Uh, kept the 49ers guessing all game. But, I mean, it, the Gabe Davis touchdown where Richard Sherman bit on the play fake. You know, if, if Josh Allen doesn't do that quick little pump fake, he doesn't draw Sherman up to get Gabe Davis open. That's the, you know... I'll, a future Hall of Famer probably in Richard Sherman, who's obviously aging and has to guess more, but you know he got Gabe Davis open with a quick shoulder shimmy pump fake, and you know all night he was looking off safeties. He was doing what he was supposed to do with his eyes, with his feet, with his arm, and it just it was so wonderful to see. You know, obviously Stephon Diggs. I mean, we keep seeing that um, the route he ran on fourth and two late in the game where the Bills needed to convert, and he just ran an absolutely filthy route and gave himself a ton of separation. But but Allen put it right on the money for it, too. And over and over again, we saw Allen hit his receivers, and it was just it was really fun to watch our quarterback be the guy that the other team couldn't stop. I mean, that's a top-10 defense in San Francisco. That's, I mean, top six, I think, going into the game. And, you know, Allen just shredded it. The team that we saw on Monday night is a team that can beat any team with that kind of quarterback play. So um, let's let's move on to Zach Moss's fumble. And I, I wrote this because once Moss fumbled, he only got the ball one more time the entire rest of the game. I mean, he sat on the bench for an extensive period of time. Sean McDermott's MO when a player fumbles the ball is to sit him down and let him think about it and stew on it and let him kind of continue going over it in his mind. And that's exactly what he did with Moss. It was in the first quarter on Buffalo's second drive where he fumbled at his own goal line. He didn't see the field again until there was 11 minutes left. So he sat for half the game before he saw the field again. Singletary had 18, Devin Singletary had 18 carries. Moss had three. 
by the time the game was over. I mean, it is a very clear delineation. When those guys were running 50-50, maybe Moss even ahead of Singletary, you know, Moss fumbles, boom, done. 18 carries for Devin Singletary, three for Zach Moss. And I really respect that out of Sean McDermott. I don't know if it's necessarily the way to reach every single player, but McDermott sticks to his guns on that, and he's all about that discipline, especially when it comes to holding on to the football. But you'll notice he doesn't do that when Josh Allen fumbles. Just throwing it out there. Um, (laughs) Don't you dare call McDermott conservative anymore, by the way. That was the third takeaway from the game. Uh, With over a minute left at the end of the first half on his own 10-yard line, the Bills put the the car in drive. They they did not take a knee up, up by, what was it, a touchdown in the second quarter. Yeah. Um, and they did not take a knee. They kept going, kept pushing. Um, Josh Allen made a couple weird decisions, but then, of course, he finds um, a wide receiver on the the sideline. I think it was Stefan Diggs with, with that one, with that toe drag swag uh, to convert a, a long third down. And then they eventually work their way down and kick a Tyler Bass field goal right before the half. I mean, yeah, McDermott called it a, quote, masterful drive at the end of the game. I don't think it was masterful. They took a timeout with the clock stopped um, in order to convert that third down, which obviously is good that they were able to convert it, but they could have saved that timeout for later. Um, so, I mean, there were hiccups, but I'm not really complaining about a field goal drive from your own 10-yard line with whatever it was. I think it was 68 seconds left, somewhere in the neighborhood of that. So, I mean... Then later in the game, again, we're talking about Sean McDermott not being conservative. It was fourth and two. The Bills were up. They could have just punted with Corey Bajorquez and sat on their laurels and just played prevent defense and done all that. But instead, they go for it on fourth and two. They convert, and they're able to march down the field and and eventually score again. And it really put the game away. It was was a really remarkable call. I didn't think that they were going to go for it. I thought it was probably the right move to go for it, but I didn't think they would, and they did. So it's been really refreshing to see Sean McDermott kind of loosen the reins on Josh Allen, on the offense in general, but really on his coaching decisions. It's not just that. It's, you know, they're going for it on fourth down. They went for it on fourth down, what, three or four times in this game and converted most of them. They did get stuffed on the first goal line possession on fourth and goal. They, But they converted on a couple other fourth downs and it really made a difference in the game. Trey White is back, folks. Um, Trey White had a kind of a rough start to the season. He was getting picked on a little bit. And when I say picked on, I mean like picked on for an all-pro. Like he was allowing a couple catches a game. Not really like the end of the world. But then he start, you started seeing him get his hands on passes and start defending passes right around the middle of the season. And then over the last four games, I think he's had a pick in, what, three out of the last four games? So, I mean, he is being instinctual. He is settling in. So whether it's because the COVID-shortened offseason didn't really allow the Bills' defense to to work together or whatever it happens to be, they're doing it now, and the defense is clicking at the right time of the season. As I said earlier, if this defense and this offense show up at the same time, they can play with anybody in this league. And, I mean, give me the Kansas City Chiefs against that Bills team that we saw on Monday night, and it's a barn burner let's go like i mean that i'm not saying the bills win but i mean it's a game that they can win you know so it was it was nice to see that and and Tredavious white has been a big 
part of that. Uh, the 49ers fans were really complaining because Debo Samuel wasn't getting targeted, wasn't getting passes. And a big part of that is what Trey White was able to do. Monday Night Football. The Bills hadn't won a game since 1999 on Monday Night Football. That was awesome to see. You know, I was at that Monday Night Football game against the Dallas Cowboys where the Bills scored, I think, two defensive touchdowns and another, I can't remember if it was a kickoff or a punt return touchdown. And, you know, they were beating the Dallas Cowboys in the first Bills game on Monday Night Football in Orchard Park in forever, and the place was electric, and then, of course, they lost. So this is just another monkey off the back of these Buffalo Bills. They don't have to worry about the playoff drought anymore. They don't have to answer questions about how they perform in nationally televised games after the Cowboys game last year and then this game this year, plus beating the Steelers last year on Sunday night. Like, they're doing it at different times of day they're doing it in prime time in front of national audiences the bills are showing that they're capable of being a playoff contender not just you know and also ran not just barely making it in to the postseason they're doing things they're taking steps to show you that they could legitimately do it guys and getting that monday night football thing off the back is fine um and the player playoff picture is coming into focus um the Bills now own the tiebreakers, all the tiebreakers against the Miami Dolphins. So if those two teams end up tied at the end of the season, Buffalo wins the division. So they effectively have a two-game lead in their division right now, even though it looks like it's only one game on paper. So it's just it's really nice to see the Bills finishing or trying to finish this off or getting to the point where they can finish it off very, very soon and not letting up on the brakes, beating the teams that they're supposed to beat, beating the teams with losing records, beating the teams on their schedule that are put in front of them. And that's really all you can ask for. And then coming into this game against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday night, it's definitely a winnable game. Um, the Steelers, while they're 11-1, and I don't know if they're the best team in the AFC? I don't think they are. I think the Chiefs are, and I think the Bills are definitely going to put some folks on notice Sunday night in this game, and I don't think that's me being a homer. I think it the Bills are going to give the Steelers a run for their money on Sunday night football. And, of course, the playoff picture will rest heavily on the outcome of that game. All right. That was a long rant to start the game, to start our podcast here, but... When we come back from this quick break, we'll take your questions to round out the rest of this week's episode. So don't go anywhere. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more 
and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Be Mormon 2020 asks us, What's going on with these slick, quote, forward passes, end quote, Josh was pulling off? Like right at the line of scrimmage near the line. Is that first step towards a more lateral-centric offense? Ooh. Ooh. I thought you were being sarcastic at the start of that question, Brian. But as we go into the second half of the question, I really like what you were saying there. That was one of the ways that the Bills were scheming to beat the San Francisco 49ers. It wasn't necessarily to go deep because the 49ers had the horses at pass rusher and at safety, I think, um, and cornerback really too, to compete with the Bills. But they were able to take advantage of the 49ers slot cornerback position. Uh, they, I think they were on their fourth string slot cornerback. So you saw that's why Beasley was at 113 yards at the halftime. They were really trying to take advantage of that underneath stuff and the lateral quickness underneath early in the game especially. And then, of course, that um, jet sweep and up to Isaiah McKenzie for the touchdown was, again, trying to take advantage of that lateral quickness and lateral agility that they have. So that was definitely part of the game plan against the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know if it's going to be there every week, but it's certainly a tool in their tool belt. And um, really, that's what we've been talking about the last two weeks now. You know, they tried to add the running game back into the mix to put it on tape to make sure that opponents had to prepare for it. This week it was that lateral game um, after they got away from it a little bit over the last few weeks. So just being able to flex that muscle and get back to the lateral movement, that lateral-centric offense, as you put it, I think was a big move for the Bills and uh, just really, really shows that they're capable of being kind of chameleon on offense. They can push it down the field with guys like Stephon Diggs. They can go underneath to Cole Beasley. They can do the running game if they have to. So I, the more ways that they can win, the better, right? So I think that's what they were trying to do against the 49ers was take advantage of that slot cornerback position and the lateral movement to create space. So it was a great observation. Thanks for the question. Be Mormon 2020. Liam asks us, where else would you rather be than right here, right now? I asked the question, or I solicited questions after the game, and Bills fans were pumped. And uh, I got a lot of questions, a lot of responses that were like this one. Um, it's pretty exciting to see this team, and and for those of us of a certain age, right? I'm 37, so when I was, you know, meaningfully impactful, nine years old, eight years old, like the Bills were going to the Super Bowl every year. And they were a good team. And I got to watch these gladiators like Bruce Smith and Thurman Thomas and Jim Kelly. And then when I was in college and, you know, a young adult on my own for the first time, they were terrible. And so it, like, it, it's not that I didn't watch the games or didn't support them, but it just it felt like a dirge going through some Sunday afternoons watching the Bills get smoked by you know, a Jacksonville Jaguars team that was probably sub 500 at the time too. So it, it's exciting. And I'm, I'm really the first guy that's going to tell you, just enjoy it guys. Like really, I, I don't care if you want to be petty with other fan bases, that's fine. <laughs> if you just enjoy the good times while they're here, because we know that they're not going to be here forever necessarily. And so enjoy them while they are here. And 
yeah, thanks, Liam. I would I wouldn't rather be anywhere right now. I this team is on the ascent. I feel like they can win every single week. I feel like they can win on every single play. Um, you know, third and twenty-five. You know, fourth and thirty-two. None of that matters to me. I think that they can convert on every single play. Um, I think they can make it, have a turnover on every defense defensive play. I think that Andre Roberts could score every time he touches the the ball on special teams. So you just you look and you see so many special things that could happen with this team every week on every play, and it's fun. So thanks. Uh, Stephen Foster, if we beat the Steelers, are we going to be considered in the top tier finally? I think a lot of people are asking that question right now, uh, before the Bills even play the Steelers. So if the Bills beat the Steelers, I think we'll definitely be considered in the top tier and get that respect uh, that the the Bills fans want, and I'm sure the Bills team wants. Um, I, they've lost to two of the best teams in the AFC or at least over the last year, and then they lost on a Hail Mary. So I think most people are giving them the benefit of the doubt right now. If they beat the Steelers, who, again, I don't think are the best team in the AFC, and I think might be worse than the Bills, even though their record's better. I think if the Bills win this game, most people will think they're the second-best team in the AFC, and you know, I... I certainly don't think they're wrong. I think the Bills are the second best team in the AFC until they can prove they can beat the Chiefs. So I think they'll get the national respect if that's what you're asking. Thanks for your question, Stephen. Jack asks us, Tremaine Edmonds best game of the season? Question mark. Maybe he missed one tackle all night but made some impact plays expected from a first round linebacker. Yeah. Um, I've been one of my friends keeps sexing me because he does not like Tremaine Edmonds. And over and over again, every time Edmonds misses a play, he'll send me a text. So, yes, Edmonds missed one play (laughs) on the 49ers' first drive, and I got a text about it. I didn't hear from my friend the rest of the game. So if, if a linebacker misses one play a game and that's enough for people to be critical, I mean, I guess that's on them. Realistically, I think Edmonds is playing really well. I think he's finally back to being healthy. Uh, he hurt his shoulder early in the season, if you remember, in the in week one. And so as he's worked his way back, he's gotten better and better progressively. And A.J. Klein has got better, too. And I think that's part of it that people aren't talking about. I've heard lots of folks like Leslie Frazier say that Edmonds is finally healthy, and so he's playing a lot better. But I think he trusts A.J. Klein more. And losing Matt Milano next to him or having a you know, a 50% Matt Milano next to him. I think he was trying to do too much for a long stretch of the season as well when A.J. Klein was really struggling. And you could see him trying to play too many different running lanes at once or trying to cover for guys too much. And, you know, it's one of the things about being a young player is that you think you can still do everything. And I think once Klein settled into his role, now that Matt Milano's back and he trusts Milano... I just think you're going to see a different player over the last part of the season because he's healthy and he trusts the guy next to him. And, you know, he can be that 1-11th, as Sean McDermott talks about, instead of trying to be 2-11ths, which I think he was trying to do for part of the season too. So thanks for your question over on Twitter. What's your view on Levi Wallace, asks Tony. I thought he was bad at tackling in coverage as well as dropping a pick. Yeah, he did not have a good game against the San Francisco 49ers. 
But I also, I mean, the Bills clearly don't think Josh Norman is better because Norman didn't see the field at all on defense. So they're going to ride with Levi Wallace, at least for the time being. And I said the same thing about Brian Winters until they benched him, you know, on offense. You know, until they went with Ike Bucker, Winters was playing every snap. And obviously, if the Bills think that Josh Norman gives them a better chance to win, they're going to put him in. But they didn't do that against the 49ers mid-game. So they must like what Wallace does. And that's not the first time that's happened. I think Wallace has played every single snap, and Norman hasn't played any snaps for the last few weeks now since Wallace came back healthy. So they like what he brings to the table. And if he's the weakest link on your defense, I think your defense is probably playing pretty well. Um, So he's not a guy that I need to see replaced right now. I, I certainly think they should have taken a cornerback in the draft last year, but... I'm not going to sit here and you know complain about them not addressing the position long term. They can certainly ride out the rest of the year with Levi Wallace, and then when he becomes a restricted free agent at the end of the season and requests a bigger contract, I, I don't know if they'll bring him back or not. But for right now, I think he's certainly acceptable at the cornerback two position as the weak link of their defense still. So thanks, Tony, for that question. Our next question is about Brian Dable possibly being uh, hired as a a head coach somewhere else, and it's from CDGA Cubed. And it says, given some of the Dable hype for head coach positions, is it Dorsey's job if he gets a promotion elsewhere? Yeah, probably. Um, I would think that Ken Dorsey would be the first guy on the list. He's got a great relationship with Josh Allen. Dorsey actually interviewed for the offensive coordinator job when Rick Dennison was hired, I believe, uh, way back in the day when Sean McDermott was first hired as the Bills head coach. So they obviously respect him enough to do that. So, I I mean, he would be the logical person to replace Brian Dable as Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator. Thanks for your question on Twitter, at RumlingsQ&A. We did have a couple quick, funny questions I wanted to answer, too. The Binary Sun asks, have the Bills improved their Hail Mary defense coverage? I don't know the Binary Sun. Probably. I mean, it's a low percentage play, so I would assume that the next time there's a Hail Mary, the Bills are going to knock it down or intercept it, or the guy's not going to catch it. Um, Richard asks us, why is Josh Allen so dreamy? I mean, that's how God made him. Uh, If he shaved that beard... He would be dreamier, in my opinion. But that's just me. I don't know if the ladies like it. Uh, maybe some ladies can weigh in on Twitter and tell us if they like Josh Allen's beard. Uh, but, I mean, he's dreamy because, you know, he looks good in shorts and, you know, he's got a cannon. So I like all that stuff. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. As always, you can leave us your messages and questions for next week by sending us a voicemail at 716-508-0405. Emails buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. You can use Twitter at Rumblings Q&A with the word and spelled out in the middle as most of our questions came in this week. There's lots of ways to get in touch with the show. You can also send us Instagram and Facebook messages. Those will get their way to me from our social media person. The Bills play the Steelers on Sunday night football this coming weekend. Should be a pretty big game. 
in the NFL in the 2020 season. Go Bills.